The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble, a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Like I said, hoop ball presentation, so follow hoop ball online hoop ball.com or on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Today, yes, we have a guest. It's been a minute. Uh, we're doing off-season previews. Uh, we, we're doing off We're doing a off-season preview, part of our off-season preview series for Round Ball Ramble. Uh, we got the Memphis Grizzlies. We got my friend, host of HoopBall Grizz, just general overall team coverage for all things Memphis Grizzlies, David Williams. You can follow him on Twitter at dwill2111 altogether, at dwill2111. David, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Good. Getting ready for uh, game three. See see what the Bucks can do, if this is going to be a series or if it's just going to be a stomping. I, I'm right there with you. I'm hopeful. I, I said to myself, I said that it was going to be Suns in six. I, I might have to amend that to Suns in five. I don't want to say Suns in four. Um, the reason I just assume that we Giannis has played well, but I thought the supporting cast would be more to the table. That hasn't happened the way I expected. Um, it hasn't really happened at all. But also, I am banking on one and it's happened every playoff series the Bucks have had over the last couple of years where, yeah, they may ultimately lose, but you're going to have one, like, crazy Chris Middleton game. You know, somewhere yeah. he goes between, like, 35 and 43 points, something crazy like that, um, or something like 38 and 45 points, like something insane like that um, for one game. And it might be when they're down three games to zero. It might be, you know, as a recording uh, to now on the 11th or, or where, they're, where they're two games to one, whatever the case may be. Um, or two games to none, rather. But the point being, I'm really banking on one of those games happening. So we'll have to see how that kind of turns out. But, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited here. Um, what we're talking about today is just a little more exciting, even though they're not playing, only because there's so much unknown as far as where this team can go, and yet so much excitement for the youth that's on this team, and that is the Memphis Grizzlies. And so I have to start by asking you, I mean, you've, you know, watched this team all year cover them from day one, you know, to the last game of the first round. Um, and when you look at the Grizzlies, after the year they've had, what is your personal recap of the season that was for Memphis? Uh, overachievement would be the, the word that I would use, man. You know, it, it's a very young team. And heading into the season, because of how well they played last year going into the bubble, they were right there knocking on the door, uh, just couldn't couldn't manage to beat Portland there to get into the playoffs last year, but this is a rebuild. You know, that that's what a lot of Memphis fans are really bought into this team and they're really focused on, they need to win. They need to win. Grizzlies need to make a trade to win. And I'm like, man, look around the league at some of these teams that went into a rebuild that have now been in rebuilding for an extended period and I, I hate to bash on this team. I bring them up all the time, but but the Kings are a great example of this. That you know, you, you go into a rebuild, and now for 15 years, the Kings have been in a drought. And so, what's going on in Memphis is very, very special. It doesn't always go down like this. Mm-hmm. But you know, John Morant has come in, and you know, going number two overall, you had high expectations. But I, I you know, I'm willing to say that he's exceeded them already. You know, like he he is just. His mindset, the way that he attacks the game, everything that he brings to the table has elevated other guys on this team. And it's been crazy fun to watch. Um, 
early in the season, it looked rough. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is what we were expecting from this team last year. Now we're going to see it. But, you know, through injuries, Ja went out for uh, a period of time, and then they had some guys with COVID that missed time. They were able to string together some wins and make it into the playoffs. And they, they didn't have anything for Utah. But that was honestly the worst matchup on paper for them just because of the way that the Jazz had their roster built. You know, Rudy, the, the way that the Grizzlies play, they score in the paint. The Utah mm-hmm. Jazz have are like one of the best defenders of the paint in the history of the game, and Rudy Gobert. You know, you you can I know that there's been some kind of discourse of whether he should be defensive player of the year or not. He's very impactful on the defensive end. He did get played off the floor in their in the series that they got eliminated in because people were not afraid to attack him. So he does have holes in his game. But it was it was a bad matchup for the Grizzlies. And I think that they played well. You know, they, they got one game from them. I was surprised that they even got the one game. Um, Utah, I felt I feel like they went into the series thinking, oh, you know, we're going to let Mitchell rest and get fully healthy, and then we'll have him for the second round. And then the Grizzlies come out and punch him in the face in that first game. And they're like, okay, yeah, no. Break glass. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we can't go without Mitchell. And they couldn't. Donovan Mitchell was phenomenal in that series. And – was able to put the Grizzlies away. So overachievement for me is the word that I would use. Um, expectations are going to be significantly higher for them next year. And this offseason, man, th- there's a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts with this. You can look at it one of two ways. They done great this year. That You know, for what I expected them to do, what they achieved, where they're at, it, it was fantastic. But what what are you looking for for next season? Do you expect them to take the leap to go on a deep playoff run or not? And so I think that that's going to play a huge kind of role in what they do moving forward. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think looking into it for me this year, I was all over the place. I saw, okay, after, you know, first of all, I'm high on the Grizzlies last year, right? Then you saw what they did, the close they had, you know, that near that narrow loss to Portland. You're like, okay, well, this year, you know, I, I went the way of the fans. Well, now they have to be on the rise. You know, they're going to be battling with, with um, New Orleans, whatever the case may be. And they had a, you know, interesting offseason. Then they go into the playoffs, and I, I – I counted them out. I was like, yeah, you know, Golden State's going to take that last one. Lakers going to get the eighth, Golden State the ninth. Let's see what happens. And yet again, the Grizzlies prove me wrong, shock the Warriors, get in there, play a very, and play a very good game, win game one, you know, in Utah. And, and then manage to maintain um, competitiveness and remain competitive against the Jazz for the, for the remainder of it, even despite being, you know, pretty outgunned, I like to think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was perimeter defense was an issue for the Grizzlies all year. The Jazz shoot the three ball very, very well. And it, it just showed, like I said, a bad matchup for them. And it ended the way that it should have, in, in all honesty. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Jazz were a better team, and I'm okay saying that. Some Grizzlies fans may not agree with that. But, you know, if you watch that series, anytime that the Grizzlies would make a move, the Jazz had what it takes to make that counter move and just stay just enough out of reach that the Grizzlies couldn't close it. So, you know, it, it's this off season more, more than the last year is going to be extremely interesting because the way the roster is set up, they could do a couple things. They could draft people and just send them to, um, to the G league, you know, they've got to pick at 17 in the first round 
And some people may be like, well, why do you want to, you know, pick at 17 and send them to the G League? Because mm-hmm. the roster's made, man. You know, they could, if they pick up the, the option for Justice Winslow, okay. they can run the exact same roster out there from last season and see what they get. I mean, that's true. That's something that's available. And, and I guess that leads uh, right on into the, my next question for you. And that's really going into the offseason. And, and, you know, before we even get to Justin Winslow and, and their own free agents and, and everything there, cause that's that's important in of itself. I want to start with and knowing that you've just done a lot of work in this. I think it's right up your alley. Draft targets for the Grizzlies. You've been knee deep in this NBA draft. You've, you know, the ins and outs of a ton of prospects. And for where the Grizzlies are, uh, who do you think they should target? Who are you liking at, at where they're at the, where they're selecting? Um, give me the lowdown on Memphis when it comes to the draft in a couple weeks here. Um, man, for me, it really comes down to what they do leading into draft night because if if you are not going to make any moves, if you're not going to make a consolidation trade, I don't think you draft for a guy that's going to be on the roster this year. There's just not room. It's going to be hard for a rookie to come in and get minutes. They're going to have to just knock it out of the park day one to have any hope of getting minutes. So for me, I'm hoping that they take a look at a maybe a younger prospect, which is not something this front office has done, and try to develop him. A guy like Josh Christopher, I, he he had not really been at the top of my list, but he's really been climbing it lately, and he, he's climbing up draft boards. But he's a guy that I think is definitely going to be available at 17 that I would love to see them take and be, you know, send him to the G League, let him be down there, develop for a year. And then maybe, you know, next year or the following year, bring him up and he can you know, be an impactful player on this roster. Because Justice Winslow, they made the trade with the Miami Heat to, to get rid of Iguodala. He was never going to play in Memphis. That's fine. Yeah. So they take a chance on a young guy, Justice Winslow, that has upside. It hasn't worked out to this point. Justice Winslow has been a shell of himself. And the thing about it, you know, people, a lot of fans and, and and justifiably. So sorry, justifiably. I can't speak. Uh, No, it's like he, he, his percentages were awful. Like his career numbers were significantly better than, than what he put up last year. And that's what I keep preaching to people. Like you may not, be a huge fan of his right now. Like, for example, Justice Winslow on his career, he is a 45% uh, field goal percentage. That, that's that's what he is from the field. He was 37%. His three-point percentage. He, he's a, okay. he's a career, career 32% shooter. He shot 18% this year. We literally saw the worst version of Justice Winslow in his entire career this year with the Grizzlies. Jeez, man, that's just bad luck. So he's got a $13 million option, which seems steep. A guy that's shooting 18% from three and 30% from the field. You're like, "Mm, man, is it worth 13 million? To me, I say yes. And this is why you made the trade in hopes that he would be, uh, Kleiman, Zach Kleiman, the, the GM for the Grizzlies and Taylor Jenkins, they have always included him as a core piece of this Grizzly squad. And, you know, we, we had the, the end of the season uh, press conference. He was asked one of the first questions to uh, Zach Kleiman was about Justice Winslow. And he made it clear. He said, I'm not talking contract. I'm not talking any of that stuff. I'm happy to answer any of your questions. But just know if you ask me that, I'm not going to address it. 
Okay. And so, you know, that was that. He he went on to talk about justice and he, he included him in the same sentence, the same breath as Jaron Jackson and Ja Morant and Dylan Brooks as core piece of this team. Is wow. Justice Winslow a core piece of this team? I can't tell you because if he's playing like he did last year, the answer to that question is no. But if you go back to his last healthy season, he played 52 games in the 18-19 season for the Heat, and he was 44, 43% from the field, 38% from three, averaged 12 points, five rebounds, and four assists. As uh, the yeah. fourth or fifth best player on your team, is that a core member? Heck yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Because he is a fantastic defender with length. And that, that's really hard to find in, in this league. You know, guys that are good defenders with length tend to stick in the league. So, you know, can he put it back together? He's had a bad run of injuries. You know, he, he's had, you know, three or four seasons here where, where he's really struggled to be on the floor. So this year, heading into the offseason, he doesn't have to rehab. He can go into the gym. He can work on his game. There's no rehab work. It's just learning the system and working on his game. I want to see what he's going to bring to the table for the Grizzlies. I know there's a lot of fans that don't want to see that, but I think you've invested this much in him right now. Why not just, you know, yeah, it's $13 million, but for example, last year they had um, Miles Plumley on a $10 million contract. Mm-hmm. They just bought him out. They, they just let him walk, you know? And so it's, yeah, $13 million is a lot of money, but, if you let a 25 year old with upside walk for nothing and he goes somewhere else and it turns out that what we saw last year is not the real justice Winslow. Well, then you let a good player walk away for nothing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and, and, and I guess here's my question about that. Cause I guess obviously he seems to have sparked um, a little bit of, of contention around the Grizzlies community. Uh, what do you think Grizzlies fans as a whole feel about him? Are they willing to just cut ties and let go? There are a lot of them that that are on that side that they're ready to cut ties and let go. And then there's some that are, you know, in my opinion, a little bit more rational and saying, you know, he hasn't been in a role that's been designed for him to be successful. They tried him as the the backup point guard and it, yeah. it, it did not go well at all. It, it was awful. And a lot of it because is because his shot just was not falling. But, you know, when they were getting thumped, by the jazz when they couldn't shut, you know, you've got Royce O'Neal knocking down threes, Donovan Mitchell knocking down threes, everybody and their brother on the the jazz roster knocking down threes and you needed length on the wing. Some of these same guys that were saying, let him walk, were calling for him to come in the game. So Mm -hmm. it's really, it's very split. I wouldn't say that it's 50 50. I think there's more people that want to see him gone than people that want to see him stay. But based off of what the front office has been saying, I think that there's a very, very high percentage that he is a Grizzly again next year. Wow. Okay. I mean, hey, for a young piece, a guy that still has potential, still has some playmaking chops, like you said, had just happened to have the worst year of his career shooting the ball in Memphis, so there's room to improve. There's a lot there that you can look at and and be um, encouraged as far as potential growth from him. So I guess that's one that that's interesting there. Um Aside from that, what else are you looking at in terms of the Grizzlies' own like uh, roster, rostered players or players that are currently um, have the chance to either be resigned or, or or move on? 
really justice is it. They, you know, Jaron going after next season, Jaron would be a free agent. So I'm hoping that they don't let that get into any type of another team throwing him an offer because somebody's going to offer him a max. I truly believe that even though he's had injury issues because of how dynamic of a player that he is, somebody will offer him a max and then you're stuck. I think if they get in there and they negotiate with him, that they can get him at a team friendly price and still get him a nice payday. He he is a guy that I think is going to be fantastic. He's got a great skill set for a near seven footer. They say that he's grown that he is seven foot now. Um, I, I don't know whether he has or is not. I can't confirm that. But, you know, for a guy that can handle the ball and shoot to three and block shots the way that he can, there's mm-hmm. not many guys like that out there. So somebody's going to offer him a lot of money. And, and that's that's the one that I'm most focused on. So Justice Winslow, what they do with him, and then I would love to see them, you know, get Jaron signed up long-term. Okay. I mean, that makes a ton of sense in terms of long-term probability for this team and being what it is together. So I'm totally with you on that. Um, What are some free agent targets, both restricted and unrestricted, that you look at um, that you're intrigued by when it comes to Memphis? I, I've really not looked at free agents a whole lot. The the one that I would give away my firstborn to, for him to be a Grizzly is <laughs> Lonzo Ball, man. Oh, wow, really? Lonzo's but, coming up. Look at that. Like, I, I, I've liked Lonzo since the draft. You know, he got a lot of flack because of, like, the way that his dad was, you know, and, and that's – yeah. Like you, you can like it or hate it, whatever. I'm I'm not a fan. I think that he d- does a little extra a lot of times. He lays it on a little thick, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's genius because in marketing you want attention, and he was able to do that, right? Like he he got the spotlight on himself, and so Lonzo kind of got craft on because of his dad and saying, "Oh yeah, I can for sure beat Jordan one on one." Man, we all know that's crap. He knows that's crap. He's just saying it because it's getting him in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. But Lonzo was never like he wasn't like that. He's like, oh, that that's my dad. It's what he does. And Lonzo just he went out there and played ball, man. He, he his shot was not good. It got better last year. He he looked really really good from three last year. His playmaking abilities is, I, like I just dream about Lonzo Ball tossing a three quarter court lob to John Morant. You know, you, you see him that there's been plenty of highlights of him tossing him to, to Zion. I love his playmaking abilities. He's a good defender. I think if you get him and you plug him in at the two and you have a lineup of John Morant, Lonzo Ball, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, and Jonas Valanciunas, mm-hmm. dude, that, that's just, man, that that's where it is for me. So I, I can't really speak on a lot of other free agents. He's the only one that I've really looked at because – there's just not a lot of room for them to go out and, you know, if they decide to decline the, the Winslow option and they let him walk then you know, maybe there's a few other guys out there. I, I know Fournier is a name that's been thrown around. From, I was going to say, I've heard that. Yes. You know, they, they, they need somebody on the wing that has size that's able to create their own shot. And that, that's really what they're missing right now. What do you think about a, a, a guy who averaged uh, 21 points and just under a uh, seven assist a game, uh, DeMar DeRozan? I'll pass. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I did a pod for the Spurs. I like him. I think 
you know, he's an effective mid-range shooter. You know what he's at in terms of going mm-hmm. to the rim and playmaking. But then again, I mean, you guys were the team that he just totally crapped the bed with in the playing game. So, you know, this is, I don't dislike DeMar DeRozan. If he ended up being a Grizzly, I, I wouldn't hate it. Okay. But I think the the price that he is going to get out there on the market, there, because of his age, it doesn't really fit the window all that well. And so, you know, I, I want a guy... And let, let me look at how old is Demar. I say his age. Can, yeah. So see, you know, I'm looking at a guy. If you can find somebody, say mid to late twenties, that you're going to get five or six good years out of, like I, I'm good with it. But let's be honest, man. Not everybody is LeBron James. They're not going to, mm. you know, look, you're not going to play 17, 18, 19 years into a career and play at a high level the way Chris Paul and LeBron James have. Yeah, you're, nah. you're not going to get that. And so if you sign, if they go out and they sign to Rosen, he's 32. You know, if, wait, wait, you sign him to a four-year deal, and then two years into the deal, like, he, he falls off the planet, man. He, I just, I don't think it's a good fit. And, and I have full faith in this front office. I can't say that about previous front offices. But Kleiman and the guys that he works with in this front office have done a phenomenal job with this team so far. And the only thing that you can even say is questionable at this point is the Justice Winslow trade. And in my opinion, they gave up something that they were going to lose anyway for a chance. So I, I don't have a problem with it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Would you look at a guy like a Duncan Robinson, um, someone like, you know, he has some length and he's also a shooter. Um, I know there's a Doug McDermott out there. How about those guys as far as adding additional shooting for your roster? Man, I like Doug McDermott, and, and that's, you know, Duncan Robinson age-wise would fit the timeline more, but um, I'm not even sure that he can spell defense. <laughs> and defense is really like, the, it's it's a shortcoming for John Morant. Like, if you look at his game, the one weakness that you can put your finger on and say, this is for sure a weak spot, is John Morant's defense. The Grizzlies get destroyed if there's a if there's a pick and roll and it's involving Ja Morant and JV the other team is coming out on the better end of it more often than not because it's just I, I love Ja Morant I think that part of his game can improve and I feel like he's got the type of work ethic that it will improve mm-hmm. but right now you have to have people that are at least serviceable defenders alongside of him and I feel like if you're running him out there you know, you've got Dylan Brooks, which is one of the better defenders in the league, and it would surprise me if he's not on all defensive team next year because of the work that he done. You know, you you look at the end of the season, the way that he was playing against Curry and Mitchell, and you know, the the list goes on and on and on of big name players that he made it hard on them to score. You, you've got a defensive stopper. That's something that you need on your team in order to win a championship. You have Dylan Brooks for that. So anybody that they're going to put at the two to run alongside John Morant, not that they have to be an all-defensive player, but they need to be a solid defender. Okay. Okay. So that's that's the that's the biggest one for you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's you know, and I think you know Fournier is a guy. That we mentioned, I think that you know he he is he's not a great defender, but he's a decent defender. And out of any of the guys that, that you brought up, I would say that he's probably the best defender out of that group. And so you know if it's not a guy like Lonzo Ball, and they did sign Fournier, 
I think his shooting and playmaking abilities would, would go along great with this team. Um, whether he's going to want to sign in Memphis or, you know, go somewhere else chasing a, a ring, we will see. But, uh, you know, he would be a guy that I think would, would fit pretty well and not break the bank to sign. Okay, totally with that. So, okay. All right, cool, cool, cool. Well, that's that's that was my big question for this offseason because I've always been a guy, and I mean, this might be an old kind of tired trope of the Grizzlies anymore shooting. I think after what we saw this uh, matchup against the Jazz, like, yes, the Jazz were a bad matchup for them, but I think a lot of it was because they simply had no chance of matching them with their outside shooting. Yeah, and that's what I said. You know, the Grizzlies game, like, they outscore people in the paint. Exactly. And they don't make a whole lot of threes. Well, the Jazz make a ton of threes, and their defense stops you from scoring in the paint. So the the Grizzlies done a good job. They were still able to close that gap a little bit. But in in the games that were close, if they could have closed that three point gap and still had the the differential between you know paint scoring, then that would have made it a tighter game. And and when things you know, if it's a, a seven or eight point game or a three or four point game, things flow differently. Thing, you know, you may somebody may play a little bit tighter. I know that they're pros, but pressure is pressure, man. You know, some people can play through it and it doesn't bother them, but for some guys it will. And so I, I think that it's it's too generic to say they just need shooting because okay. if you're talking about just shooting Duncan Robinson's the best free agent shooter out there, right? Like he, he's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy. But Duncan Robinson is not great at creating his own shot. I the, no. the Grizzlies the Grizzlies have but, guys and and Desmond Bain, Grayson Allen, they have guys that can shoot the three. But the problem is outside of Ja Morant and Dylan Brooks, none of those other guys have shown the capability to create their own shot. And that's what you need. You look. At the, the Utah Jazz, they had Donovan Mitchell. When Mike Conley was healthy, they had Mike Conley. And then coming off the bench, they had Jordan Clarkson. They have guys yeah. that can create their own shot. I mean, the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks, they have Giannis that can create his own. Chris Middleton can create his own. Drew Holiday, the Phoenix Suns, got a number of guys that can create their own shot. Campaign, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, um, you know, uh, Mikel Bridges to a lesser extent, but that that's what you need. True. Like in the playoffs, shooting is great, but you need shooters that can create their own shot because you're not always going teams make adjustments. Coaches make adjustments. They know how your offense runs. The odds of you always getting a wide, you know, a, a good look at three in the playoffs. It's not always going to happen like that. So a guy that can create his own shot, I think is more valuable than just pure shooting. And so, you know, like comparatively, it, who would I rather have, Duncan Robinson or DeMar DeRozan? Mm-hmm. I'd rather have DeMar DeRozan because even though DeMar DeRozan doesn't shoot the three all that well, he can create his own shot. And that's okay. just – you know, I see what you mean. It, it's really like th- there's a fine line between just – so I don't even really have a great example of it. I, I wasn't thinking about it this deep, but, <laughs> you know, like J.J. Reddick. Is is a great shooter, can't yeah. create his own shot. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're looking at just shooting, do you want uh, an Evan Fournier that's maybe his percentages are are, and I don't have the numbers up. I may be completely yeah. whiffing this here, but you you kind of get what I'm saying. You know, a guy that's maybe slightly lesser of a threat from three, but that can create space for himself, I think is far more valuable. 
Okay, I feel you. So someone who can, you know, create offense much, much more than just the generic, like I said, trope of just like shooting the ball. Right, right. Okay, I'm with it. All right, cool, and, cool. And cool. you can never have to like you, you need shooters. Like I, I'm not saying, you know, if the Grizzlies sign Duncan Robinson, obviously he's gonna he's gonna help the team, right? Like he, he's going to help the team. There's no doubt about it. 100%. But you know, in a seven game series, when you're making adjustments. And they're like, okay, you know, this is their shooter. We're just going to focus on locking him down. Um, we asked, um, we, we were in the, the press conference talking to Quinn Snyder from the Jazz. And we talked, we asked him about John Moran. I say we, it was, it was my co-host Isaac. Oh, yeah, I'm, that's dope still, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So Isaac asked him, he said, what is your game? Like, what, what's your plan for John Moran? And uh, Quinn Quinn. Out of everybody that we were in the like the post games with, as far as head coaches, I really liked Rick Carlisle and I like Quinn Snyder because you didn't get it wasn't always just straight up coach talk, right? You know, oh, you know, we're we're gonna go out there, we're gonna work hard, like just the fluff bull crap. Quinn Snyder took time and he answered your question and he would just flat out about it. He's like, you know, we we have tried to limit what Ja can do, but great players are going to get to their spots. You have to make, you know, you've got to throw a bunch of different looks at them and you have to make adjustments in other areas. Yeah. So your goal, you know, like, yeah. So he was essentially saying like, you're not going to stop Donovan Mitchell. You're not going to stop Ja Morant. You're not going to stop Jason Tatum. You're not going to stop these guys. You have to game plan around keeping the secondary players from blowing up. And the jazz done a fantastic job of doing that. And so it, that that's something – if Duncan Robinson ends up being the guy, and I know a ton of Grizzlies fans that would be slobbering all over themselves happy because they signed Duncan Robinson, if he's the guy, I think that he can be neutralized in a playoff series because of his limited offensive bag. I feel you. I, it's so weird because I think with guys like Ja, like Dylan Brooks – um, maybe we got one more guy, but I feel like we have enough guys who can kind of semi-create where it's like, okay, but converting those shots. Like, Ja, how many times did – I mean, he had – I think it was game one specifically, and then I think also game four, where, you know, he was making them pay more or less from them going underneath. But aside from that, you know, Jaron Jackson can shoot the three, but he's not consistent there. Um, John Morant, that's definitely weakness of his game. Jonas Valanciunas, not really part of his game. He can do it, but not really. So a lot of your three-point shooting is coming from the bench, but they're on the bench more or less usually for a reason. I mean, what not? it's not like the Grizzlies have that many players that are locks in their position over outside of, let's say, point guard and possibly center. You know what I mean? I think that the rest of it can definitely be kind of subbed in and out. You know, so usually if you come on the bench, you're, you know, pretty good in a certain role um, or limited in others. I see what you mean by bringing in Duncan Robbins will be more of maybe the same in terms of, yeah, we have that skill set already. We just need, you know, somebody who can initiate. But I definitely look at that as something to look at, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, to me, I would say Duncan Robinson and Grayson Allen. I, I would give the edge to Duncan Robinson as far as a better player. But to me, the gap is not wide enough for me to pay Duncan Robinson 18 to $20 million a year when I already have Grayson Allen on my roster. That makes sense. I yeah, and that that's kind of that that's the way that I've looked at it, and and that's I hope nobody takes that as I'm saying that that Grayson Allen is as good as or better than Duncan Robinson. I think I made that point clear. Yeah, no, you, Duncan <laughs> is definitely the better player, but when we're talking overall skill gap, Grayson Allen's making nine million a year, 
is Duncan Robinson two times better than Grayson Allen? And I no, not. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, if you think otherwise, that's fine. You, you can get at me on Twitter and we can discuss it. That's fine. But I, I just, I don't see it. it. It's not there for me. You said it. I totally agree on that. Yeah. That's something there that I get you right. The cost benefit of that, it, the, 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 the immediate return on investment don't benefit or don't justify the price tag you have to put on, especially when, like you said, you have many of the same attributes already on the roster. So I completely agree with you on that. Um, uh, what would be your worst case scenario for the Grizzlies this offseason? Because, hmm. I mean, ideally we're talking about the best already, you know, retaining um, Justice Winslow, um, getting someone that, um, you know, would make a, a good fit in terms of, of development for youth, um, primarily focusing on offensive initiators with some shooting that's great. Can is there anything Memphis will do or can do? I mean, this off their front office seems pretty solid in my opinion. I think you would agree there. Um, that they're not going to do anything swing for the fences. Let's say a la Sacramento Kings or mm-hmm. you know another team that makes short sided moves that you're like, why would you do that? But you know they would. Think of the Knicks. You know, obviously a couple of years right. ago, um, before this new regime here. So. I, that's why I asked that. Cause I always think that's an interesting question. And there might be some that, hey, you know, the Grizzlies can't, they can't mess this up. I mean, they have every, if they didn't do anything, they would still be in a good position. And maybe that's where Memphis is. But I definitely want to get your take on it since you really have a pulse on not only the fan base, but the state of the Grizz. Man, I would say, so to me, worst case scenario doesn't necessarily happen this summer, but I think what they do with Jaron Jackson Jr., and this contract negotiation is going to be vital for this team. I, I love Jaron. I think that he's the best, the second best player on this team. But if if they're not careful in these negotiations, mm-hmm. it's going to affect the way that John Morant negotiates his contract. And oh, wow. no you know, pressure. Th- there's, <laughs> y- you're going to have it. You, you you see it with Zion already. Any sign of a player in a small market that is any even if there's a nugget saying that they are disgruntled boom media's like they're going to new york they're going to la yeah. they're going look what they did to be honest and then man, he yeah, signed there, he yeah, know, we wanted nothing to do with them and and listen i i know you're a lakers guy so i don't mean this like directed directly at you oh i understand but I, there's already jersey swaps of john ja moran in a lakers jersey and if john ja moran plays anywhere other than memphis for the rest of his career it's gonna break my heart man i can't oh. handle it like i i i I, I don't want believe, If for any small market team, you've got to be rooting for Zion to stay in New Orleans. You have yep. to, because for the small markets to have any chance of winning a title, being competitive, the stars that they draft have to stay. That's just the that's the nature of it. Because if you're a free agent and you can choose Los Angeles or Memphis. It's a no-brainer. Or you can choose Miami or Memphis. It's easy to choose between those two cities. There's a ton more to do in either one of them. And, you know, for for somebody that has that type of income, you want to be somewhere where there's things to do, right? So the the larger markets are going to be a lot more enticing for them. So I think worst-case scenario is they try contract negotiation with Jaron Jackson this summer, and it goes awry. That that would be worst case scenario for me, because I really truly believe 
that the way that they handle this contract negotiation with him is going to have a huge impact on what happens with Ja when they have to pay him in a couple years. And I like it. The blueprint is going to be set here. So it's really important in this off in this offseason coming just because it lays the foundation for what will possibly happen next offseason or, or future offseason. I, I agree with that completely. Yeah, he's, what, two short years away um, from us doing the same thing again with uh, John Morant. So I agree. And I also got to say I agree with you on the Zion takes. I mean, if you're a fan of the NBA, you want these offseasons to have some competency. I do want to say I put some of this on the regime that is New Orleans. It's not like they're not a Sacramento small, but you have a well-run front office that leads to a competent roster in terms of construction, which therefore leads to good products on the floor, which therefore leads to more, you know, contentment for your star players. New Orleans hasn't had that. Look at the last two years, the last two coaches. Look at them making that roster um, swap to bring in Steven Adams and bring in Eric Bledsoe, which totally shrank the floor while not really improving the defense. I mean, it's a mix there. I feel I feel both ways because on the one hand, I look at it, and maybe it's my big market tendencies that are coming into play here too, where it's like you want those guys to be on that team. You want to have every team have you know a, a good disbursement of young talent or just overall NBA talent that you know leads to the competitive health and strength of the league. At the same time, I mean, Anthony Davis, if you look at what the Pelicans had around him the last couple of years, I, I, no. Like, I'm not like you want yeah. them to say, but you have to do your job too. Uh, and the Grizzlies are different because – you know, you can say what you see right now that so far they have. Now, if it's another year, you know, same result, then maybe you can start to question that because you have you're turning to Portland at that point in terms of having this window despite talking bigger expectations. But like what New Orleans has been doing the last couple of years, yeah, you want them to do right by Zion, absolutely. Um, you want Zion to stay to do right by them, but it has, it's a two way street there, and I don't yeah. feel like I can say confident that New Orleans has done their job. And, and that's something. So I know that this isn't really what we we, we aim to talk about, but oh, we talk. <laughs> like, th- th- this conversation is great because it, it goes back to LeBron leaving Cleveland the first time. Mm-hmm. A- and I really think that is what kind of it changed the landscape for the league. And you get into the conversation with people and they're talking to you about, well, Jordan didn't leave Chicago to win his titles. But Jordan had a competent front office. Yes, he did. Whether you like the little troll or not, he put together championship rosters. 100%. Dan, like the, the owner for the Cavaliers is the second worst owner in the league and only slightly behind Dolan for the Knicks. The, the, he will not put money around. You, you have arguably, you know, easily top five NBA player to ever play the game the best in the game at the time, and you're not putting talent around him. Look at the first team that LeBron took to the finals. It was ridiculous. And and, and that's far worse than any team Jordan ever played on. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I, well, I won't say, like, his first year was pretty rough with all the crackheads yeah. and stuff. But, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> as far as, as guys, like, teams that went to the finals, that finals team that LeBron took his first year in the finals – Mm-hmm. Zydrunas Ogaskis is your second best player, man. Wait, like, how? H- how do you even get to the finals? One, but it, it's it's important. The front offices. I'm not going to go in a huge LeBron talk, but front offices have to do their job. If you have a guy like Zion Williamson, you had a guy like Anthony Davis down there. These yep. guys are generational, generational talents. talents. Yep. You have to surround them with the right pieces. New Orleans, I think, when they brought in Boogie Cousins. They were thinking, okay, you know, th- these are two dominant players. I think this is going to give us a push. They didn't have enough around them. They didn't, you, you know, you had AD and, and Boogie, which were two great players, 
but you didn't have enough around there to push them over the edge. And that's really, you have to have a guy that's, that's making the basketball decisions have a good head on his shoulders because you can bring in talent, but they have to fit. It's got to be the right pieces. If you bring in a bunch of, of slashers and, and people that like to get to the basket to play with Zion, mm-hmm. it's going to clog out. It's going to clog up the most important part of his game, which is around the rim. So it's not going to be a good fit. And that's what, you know, like Steven Adams is, they needed a center. I think that the mindset was right, but they didn't go out and get the right player because they need a big that can step out to kind of open it up for Zion. And Steven Adams is not that guy. No. And even with that guard decision, they had the choice between Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. Now, mind you, George Hill didn't do wonders, you know, uh, in, in, in OKC or Philadelphia. I mean, he was injured for a lot of OKC in Philadelphia. He was just, I think, in turn, he was washed. But in theory, just having, just having that floor spacing ability, instead of Eric Bledsoe shooting, you know, sub 30% from three and and, and giving away games because he lose track of, of what's going on. I mean, there was so much there that was just an issue that, yeah, I, I, was, a, I was a lot more negative of their front office, and I still am, until I see some actual progress there. Because right now, if you look at the blame game, if you're playing that, I don't think you put a whole lot on Zion right now. And yeah, you're no. right. Like the media loves this stuff. I mean, I love talking about it to a point. I mean, speculation is always fun for a moment, you know, the trade mm-hmm. machine, all that. But after a while, it gets kind of toxic, in my own opinion. And I feel like that's that's what's happening here. I feel like that's what's happening. You're right. Like if, if the Grizzlies don't keep up doing what they're doing, it, you know, it's going to pull up on them, too. I mean, you, you you know this. It's going to be, oh, you know, Jaws, a, a, a discontent and, you know, are the Grizzlies doing enough? And then everyone's going to be interested in Memphis only because they want to rob them of their young guy. Ideally, you want to see, you know, Ja, like you said, play his whole career in Memphis. Barring that, at least give him a Mike Conley type career. Yeah. You know, a decade and a half, most things are forgiven, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, th- that is, yeah. I'm not sad about Conley being gone. You know, like the, the trade... The, the stuff from the, the beginning of that, the Mark Gasol trade and everything following that, to me, was all great work by the front office. They they landed, you know, you end up with Grayson Allen, DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, you know, that jo, uh, Jonas Valanciunas. They, they got a ton of good pieces mm-hmm. for, like, cornerstone guys of the core four. You know, Mark Gasol and Mike Conley – you know, they, they were the face of the quarter four. Everybody, you know, Grizzlies fans love Zach Randolph, Tony Allen. You know, the, the guys that played in that era, love them, love them to death. But it, it was time. It just was not. They, they didn't have it. They got to their peak, and their peak was not enough to get them to the finals. Like so it was time to, time to blow it up. Yep, their best wasn't enough, bottom line. And, and you're right. I think if you get to a spot where they reach their natural course, then, then, then that's different ball game altogether. If it ends prematurely because of such things as you know uh, front office malpractice or you know disgruntled one, maybe job wants to leave. I mean that hasn't happened right now. It's not something he wants to do. So I'm going to speak that into existence. But that's 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 where we're at right now with that. And I think it's something interesting. I think this conversation was was uh, important just to have because it's not only on you know just Ja. It's what Ja represents moving forward for young talent on small market teams. And we have a lot of them. I mean, I mean, Detroit isn't exactly 
small, but it's, I wouldn't call it big either. And they have Kate Cunningham coming up. You know what I mean? Cleveland's going to get another, another young pick. Um, you already they should outlaw have. Cleveland from the lottery. Huh? Oh, Cle- yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland should just be banned from the lottery, period. <laughs> after, <laughs> they after proved, three years of, of yeah, huh? Like, they, they have well never mind i they they've had plenty of opportunities to draft players and develop them and they have failed miserably so yeah let's just ban them from the lottery hey fair enough i i'll agree with that you on that i'm gonna give them this last chance let them have i mean obviously they get this one last chance after that let's do some lottery reform because certain teams they've proven that they will not make do with whatever you give them um and honestly i guess that leads to my next question, um, and we kind of addressed on it, but just like a definitive kind of summation of it all. How do you feel about Memphis moving forward? Do you think it does go, you know, from play-in to playoffs? Do you think that they still have another year or so to kind of be in this kind of territory where they're more, you know, playing contenders uh, before they actually make that move? W- what do you see uh, for Memphis, you know, not only this upcoming year after this offseason, but just for, you know, let's, let's just kind of project out two years. So – they were without Jaron Jackson for the majority of this season, and they managed to be in the play-in. Jaron Jackson is healthy going into this offseason. Justice Winslow is healthy going into this offseason. And when that happened, uh, Jonas Valanciunas and Kyle Anderson this year had a huge leap forward, right? Those guys were healthy heading in the last offseason. They got in the gym. They worked on their game, had – great career years for them. Mm -hmm. If you get two guys this next season that have big jumps forward, this team is in the middle of the standings. I don't think they're, they're fighting for one or two, but four five or six, I don't think is out of the question. They're uh, again, a lot of moving parts. You know, are they going to consolidate? Is it going to be the same roster? Do they draft people like a draft and stash and, just run it back with the same roster they have. I have no issues if they do that because I think right now you've got a lot of good young talent and you're not a hundred percent sure which of these pieces need to stick around moving forward. True. Is the answer DeAnthony Melton? Is it Grayson Allen, Tyus Jones? Who, who needs to stay and who needs to go? Is Brandon Clark going to come back? That's a huge question. He had a great rookie year. He struggled this year. It was injury related. He, you know, he's got an all season to get healthy and come back. Uh-huh. Hopefully, we can see him bounce back. But and see where he comes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, I, I had to, to mute the mic for a second. I was oh, you're uh, good. yeah, try not to sneeze into it. I was, oh, I I was hoping <laughs> it wouldn't come to that. But oh, um, you know, th- th- there are a lot of good players on this team, but you're not going to be able to pay everybody. And so, at the end of the day. You have to know what you've got. And that's, you know, Killian Tilly is a guy that has a huge upside. I think that if he didn't have injury issues, there's no doubt in my mind he would have been in the first round, early second round pick in the draft. And they got him as an undrafted free agent. Desmond Bain had a great rookie season. Xavier Tillman done the same. How much are these guys going to grow heading into their next season? And I think that that is going to make the difference of whether the Grizzlies are right back in the play-in or if they're middle of the pack next year. I would love to see them have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. That that would be insane. For one, I I just, you know, the playoff atmosphere in Memphis is incredible. If you've never been to a a playoff game at FedEx Forum, I suggest you do, you do that at least once in your life. 
And, you know, if you want to come down to Memphis when the Grizzlies make the playoffs next year, come to game, holler at me. I got season tickets. I'll hook you up. Hey, I appreciate that, sir. Yeah, I will take you on that. <laughs> that is but, cool. you know, like I think it growth, growth is going to be key for them. I think that they will. I honestly, I feel like worst case, they're right there kind of playoff, uh, playoff, like the, the play in game again next year. But if you see growth from these guys, you know, John Moran had a, a big jump from year one to year two and improved a ton, improved his shooting. Um, you know, just the way that he was attacking the game, you could see him grow. So I like where it's heading. I'm early prediction. I would say they're going to be somewhere four or five or six next year. I think they're going to be out of the play in worst case scenario. I think it's play in for them. Okay. I like it. Four, five or six, but another year in the play in. And that's not, and that's not the worst thing either. That's going to be, that's going to be neat that they are even in that position showing that steady development that we've seen so far from Memphis. Um, David, Thank you again, man, for coming on. Give me some of your time. I think this is a very good conversation. I'm not just talking about Memphis, but just in general, some NBA uh, uh, ideologies and, and 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 just thought and thoughts that I think make for great discussion. I appreciate your time, man. Where can we find you? Uh, so my co-host and I, Isaac Simpson, we do a Grizzlies podcast for Hootball. Uh, we're on Twitter at Hootball Grizz. You can get the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, wherever. Just find us, just search Hootball Grizzlies, and you should be able to find it, no problem. Um, I am on Twitter at dwill2111, and my co-host Isaac is a great follower as well. He not only does the the Grizzly stuff with me, but he covers the the Memphis Tigers basketball. Actually, all of the Memphis Tigers, Mel Sports, basketball, football, the whole nine yards for rivals. He is Isaac underscore rivals. So, yeah, come holler at us. We are always on Twitter, engaging in conversation. We love it. We appreciate followers. And, and man, I appreciate you for having me on. It was a blast. Hey, man, definitely we got to do this again. Uh, just your, I got to tap into that draft observation uh, that you've been doing, draft observations that you've been doing. Maybe we could do a mock draft going with you. Yeah, yeah, man, that, that would be fun. I would love to do that. Definitely, man. Okay, we're going to make that happen before the draft comes, hopefully, man. But I, I, I just want to thank you again. Uh, thank all of you listening. Again, you can find... David, he told you where you know where to find me at Corbin NBA on Twitter in case you forgot on Hoopball for online hoop-ball.com on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets. Definitely make sure to check that out. Like I said, um, and I say this all the time, not only is the content great, I mean, look at what David gave you. And he has his own show on just this type of stuff. So definitely do that. But you have offseason coming underway, draft in a couple weeks, free agency week after that, summer league after that, and then less than 100 days before next season starts in general. And with that, comes fantasy basketball. So, I mean, this stuff, it, it don't stop. And neither does hoopball. So, come on, man. Y'all make the most of it. Enjoy. Um, but for David, for myself, we Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.